Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is smarter fleet operations with my friend Kane Grau. Kane is the CEO and a board director at Uptake, a Chicago-based industrial AI and analytics company, and they specialize in getting us those smarter fleet operations. Guys, we all know how hard it is to keep a truck on the road. This is a a business where razor-thin margins are the norm. So we need to do a really good job on our fleet operations. And there is so much data now. And uh, in the podcast interview with Kane, he explains how we can take that data and turn it into dollars. But before we get to the interview, I want to talk about Transportation Marketing and Sales Association. Their business is helping you grow your sales. So that's TMSA. Their website is tmsatoday.org. They have a conference coming up in June, June 11th, down in Savannah. Great place. You should get to that conference. I'm going to be there. And the reason I'm going is like the same reason everyone else goes there. We want to grow our sales. And the experts are there. If you want to learn, you want to network, this is the place to go. Savannah is an easy place to get to. Beautiful city in June. I will put a link in the show notes. But check them out. I will be there. Everybody wants to be on podcasts now or start their own podcast. This is just one of the many topics you will learn about down there. Again, if you want to grow your sales and who doesn't, this is where you go. I will see you there. So how's it going, Kane? It's great. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Kane, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, my name is Kane Growl and uh, I'm the CEO of Uptake and I'm here in uh, Chicago, Illinois, where it's beautiful 75 degrees. I know it's shocking. It went, I'm in Michigan. We're not, we're we're three hours behind you, a day behind you weather-wise, four hours away. But um, the weather all of a sudden just changed. We go from really cold to all of a sudden it's gorgeous out. But gorgeous. Anyway, (laughs) Kane, what does Uptake do? We're an eight-year-old company, again, located here in Chicago, Illinois. And we're the leader in predictive analytics software as a service specific to fleet operations for the commercial and federal use. And what we do, I think, better than anybody is we work to translate data into smarter operations. So we connect data, asset, and people. And we've been doing this, you know, again, for eight years. We're driven by industrial data science. As I like to say a lot of times, you know, we're built for the industry by the industry. And what we do is we enable and deliver actionable insights that can predict truck and component failure. We can optimize part maintenance strategies, and then we can visualize cost information with our 60 plus patents and our 200 data science models. And we package it all up into a very easy to use application that, you know, dozens and dozens of fleet operators use every day. Wow. That's a a mouthful. Usually when somebody's talking in my podcast about data and predictive analytics. They're talking about how do we move trucks? How do we predict prices? And all very important, but the most important thing is the truck and keeping it moving. And anybody who owns a fleet is interested in how do I maximize 
debt investment I made. And it is a big investment. And this is a business. We were talking about this before we hit record, Kane, that we see as soon as we hit a downturn, big established trucking companies, three generations old, just go out of business like poof. And and it's it's telling about how close, how, how tight the margins are in this business and how difficult this business is. And this whole industry is built on the back of this uh, this small group of drivers and carriers. And we don't act like it sometimes. Right. No, I agree. I agree. And it's, uh, as you and I were talking about, yeah, I mean, it's it's challenging. The whole ecosystem right now is challenging. And, and like you said, I mean, the, what supply chain, the importance of the supply chain and it working effectively. I mean, look what we saw in COVID, right? You know, all the things that people were waiting on and the delays and the amount of containers that were you know sitting out at sea that just could, couldn't get to trucks fast enough. I mean, you know, imagine that disruption on a much greater scale because we have a continued lack of production, lack of parts, lack of drivers, lack of technicians, right? So there's a lot going on right now with, within the sector. Yes, yes, yes. So, Kane, we're going to come back and talk more about fleet, yeah. smarter fleet operations and how uptake can help us do that. But first, tell me a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights. You have a very illustrious career. I've been looking at your LinkedIn here. When and then when and why you joined Uptake? Yeah. So the the longest short of it is uh, I grew up in uh, South New Jersey, right by Philadelphia. I went to a technical school, right, a high school. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was pretty good at the computer from a very young age. And so I kind of jumped right into the into the analytics world. I, I was doing data, big data, I guess, before it was called big data and working with uh, Oracle and uh, did that for a number of years. And then I would say sort of like where I really started to define what I want to do for the rest of my life was I took a complete flyer and moved out to Santa Monica and uh, worked with a a couple guys that were former colleagues and we built a toy company called eToys.com. Within a year, we were the largest toy company in the world. And whoa, the whoa, the biggest toy company in the world. Bigger than Toys R Us, bigger than any, you know, retail box store. It was uh, overnight success. Went public within a year and a half. Unfortunately, what I figured out is that you cannot sell toys around year round. It's very cyclical and it's very uh you typically sell it within about six to eight weeks is where most of your revenue comes from. And so uh, we had, we had uh, unfortunately had to go bankrupt after four years in operation. But what I tell a lot of people is it was four years of a crash course MBA and learning business and, and, and learning how to build teams and scale, scale a company. Unfortunately, it didn't scale the right way, but it was still a, a great learning lesson. But point being is that's what I want to do with the rest of my life was I wanted to build products and build companies. And so I heard entertainer, rapper, whatever you want to call him, MC Hammer talk about this one time. And he said, he said, if there was a book about how to survive when you make $50 million a year, all of a sudden, he goes, I would have read it. (laughs) (laughs) He said, there just wasn't one. (laughs) So he says, people go, why would you, how could you lose all that money? He goes, wasn't as hard as you would think. <laughs> and I always think yeah. about that is not like you're, you're, you're a smart man. You've had a lot of success. It's not like you go, Oh, I just, I squandered it. I was an idiot. Nope. This- no. And you know, I've done, I've done three different startups and what I, a, a common term that I use, which I think is the backdrop of what you were just talking about is, you know, I've even, I've used it at uptake quite a few times is we're pioneers. 
this a lot of stuff that we have done that we're doing has never been done before. Like I can't go to a playbook and pull out page, you know, five and say, okay, we're going to run this play and it's going to produce this result. A lot of times we're figuring it out as we're going along. And when you're doing that, you subscribe to fail fast. You don't have a choice but to. Not everything's going to work. Many things don't. And so you got to accept failure and you use the failure as the learning. And those four years are failure, but it didn't hold me back from going to try something else and doing it. But, you know, I landed in Chicago about 17 years ago. I worked for cars.com for a number of years as a CTO. I worked for apartments.com CTO, but I met Brad Keywell, our founder and chairman in 2015. And they wanted uh, to do an idea in automotive, which was, you know, around arbitrage of, of used vehicles. And because I had my experience at cars.com, I brought in another co-founder, Justin Malik. And so we launched a company called Driven and it was really, really fun. We basically used data from wholesale and retail, and we essentially predicted what dealers needed to stock and what they needed to dispose. Um, the only difference is, and nobody else was doing this, was we took balance sheet risk and actually acquired the vehicle, retitled the vehicle and shipped the vehicle. And nobody else was doing that in, in the industry. And so at any given time, we had a, you know, a thousand cars in float um, all over the United States, creating markets. We were eventually acquired by Car Global in Indianapolis. And I spent three years with Car Global doing a variety of different roles. But again, utilizing data within car to create new products um, and monetize those products and a ton of fun. After three years, I left and I reunited with Brad, who, again, was kind of running uptake. He asked me to come in and, and, and be a consultant for a little bit, which then turned into a, a full-time role. And I became CEO eventually over the, the last two and a half years with the company. And so today, I'm you know basically running our full portfolio of companies uh, or, or products and business units. And yeah, and it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I love, love the space. It's, it's fresh. It's still greenfield. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of innovation that still needs to happen. And it, there's a lot of mirroring and a lot of pattern recognition that I saw from my days in automotive. Yep. Yep. And I got to tell you, this is my own version of automotive. I'm from uh, automotive. And um, in automotive, when I first started, we had factories. We've had factories for a long time. And Every once in a while, you'd run across a maintenance problem in a factory where they didn't, and I'm not talking about keeping it clean. I'm talking about a machine or a conveyor belt that they didn't keep updated. And then it broke down. And when, it, when what we learned in automotive was it is devastating to have something break down unexpectedly. So when a conveyor belt is wearing out and you say, uh, you know what we need to do? We need to update it. We need to... We need to do the maintenance on it. Maybe replace the belts or whatever has to happen. And we can do that in a controlled environment, maybe over the weekend or during spring break. If it breaks down during the during production, it can cost, I mean, quickly, tens of millions of dollars are lost this way. I mean, it was huge. And we, for a long time, struggled with the idea of this predictive maintenance. And by the way, we all own cars. Most everyone listening to our podcast owns cars. We've all done it where you say... I know I need to get my car in. I need to get the oil changed. I need to get this done or that done. And if you don't, I think well, all of us have done this once, where you don't do something that needed to be dealt with, and then you found yourself in a walk-home condition. <laughs> so predictive maintenance, I would say if that is in automotive a best practice, I'd say in any 
manufacturing, good manufacturing practices, predictive maintenance, preventive maintenance. It is exactly what we do. It is foundational. But then we get out to the road and that's really just the outdoor factory. We still want that same efficiency. We still want the same effectiveness. We want to get to the desired results on a very high percentage of the time. And I think maintenance on trucks is just as important, but probably more difficult. Yeah. And I I, I 100% agree with you. And You know, what I look at is it doesn't really even matter the size of the fleet. It doesn't matter if you're a single owner operator or if you have 10 trucks, 50 trucks or 10,000 trucks in your fleet. That truck is a very, very important asset. It's an important asset for income. It's an important, you know, for the person driving it. It's an important asset for the brand of the fleet if it's a much larger fleet. And then it's really really important to what you and I were talking about to the overall supply chain from getting goods from A to B, right? So yeah, I mean, this is why I love the space. I I think the criticality of that vehicle and the safety of that vehicle is front and center. Wait, um, I meant to ask you this. So your name is Kane Graw, right? Yep. And it's spelled K-A-Y-A-N-E. And I kept thinking all week long, I thought it was Kanye. And then <laughs> five times a day, five times a day, it's Kanye. So, but it's not spelled like Kanye. It's not spelled like yeah. Kanye. So it's K-A-Y-A-N-E. Where'd you get that yeah. name? Do you, do you ever say to your folks, God almighty, I have to spell my name every day. Right. So <laughs> it's a, it's a really, it's a really quick and easy story. So in 1972, there was a show called Kung Fu. Oh, David yeah, Carradine. Yeah. His name was Wanshan Kane. It was K-A-N-E. And they decided to insert the Y to make it a little different. And that was the name Kane. It was my dad's favorite show. And that, that's how the name was derived. <laughs> my, I, yeah, my one daughter's middle name is Devin. And that's from a Billy Idol vid- video that my ex-wife and I liked. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. She's like, who? I was like, Bill, Billy Idol, look it up. It's, on, it's online. Come on. <laughs> Don't act like you don't know him. <laughs> Anyway, let's switch gears. So you joined Uptake, and what Uptake is all about is you work with carriers and asset owners, and your and your whole goal is how do we make you more money with those assets? And so, what problems are you solving for these guys, and how do you solve those problems? Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're solving a number of problems. I mean, I would say, you know, I guess at the top is you know it, companies are just they're, they're all doing more with less and they need, they're, they're looking at data more than ever. You know, it was interesting going to like TMC and going to the Geotab Connect conference. I mean, every booth now has the word data in it, right? So everybody's looking at data. But I think what, you know, what we're really looking to do is we want to, these fleets are, are facing the, the largest challenges they've ever faced, right? Labor shortage, difficult, difficult in getting uh, trucks, parts, the replacement of those parts, rising maintenance. And so what, we, what we're doing is, is we're offering a solution that allows them to look at the highest risk vehicles, understand why that risk is present, and then what should you do to actually resolve that issue? We can do it. We are, it's, it's forward thinking, right? So it, it is in the sense predictive, it's not reactive. And what that allows them then to do is, you know, bundle repairs for vehicles that might have multiple critical issues. They can proactively place orders ahead of time for replacement parts, which is massive if you think of the delays of, of, of or how difficult it is to get, get parts. 
They can get to catastrophic failures before the vehicle breaks down. And then they can proactively plan, plan out the repairs because you have a lack of technician right now, lack of technician hours. All this at the end of the day is to create a safe vehicle that ultimately retains drivers. We have driver shortage. And so these vehicles are safe. These vehicles are more reliable and, you know, drivers like to drive those types of vehicles. So, you know, I would say in a nutshell, that's, those are all things we're doing and we do it in a single pane of glass. We do it in an application that I think is the best in the industry. It's very easy to use. And we have very, very high retention and, and high customer score from a net promoter score. We have people like the application. Yep. I think all of us um, in the transportation logistics space, when we're talking about domestic transportation, we all know that we hate empty miles. We don't want a truck to have to go from point A to point B empty. So we're always looking for that backhaul. We're always working to make sure that truck's not sitting. And I think since the ELD mandate... We have also done a lot more drop and hook so we can drop and hook, you know, drop that, drop that trailer off. And then it's better for the drivers. It makes it a lot. When we do those live loads and live unloads, it's, it's, it takes a lot more time and we don't have our drivers on the road. All of these things are with the same ideas. How do I keep a driver moving with a full trailer? And before we hit record, we were talking about uh, Tyler Robertson, who's founded, uh, Diesel laptops, which, by the way, they do not make diesel laptops. They make, <laughs> they make, uh, well, you tell me what they make. You, you would know better. I mean, there is an actual laptop that is right. part of the diagnostic yeah. aspect. Yeah. But I mean, the, they, they have a variety of different plugins for the ODB that allow technicians to diagnose the truck faster. They have basically the, the diagnostic software that can predict what parts are ultimately going to be needed and allows the technician to secure that part in a much faster manner. We use their VIN decoder within our application. Um, they're, they're a great partner of ours. We think the world of, of Tyler and the, and the diesel. Yeah, team. and when Tyler was on the podcast, he said it's all about keeping those trucks driving. And what I think one of the reasons he founded the company is he found out these trucks are going to the side of the road, going to a, to be repaired. And just diagnosing them would take a, a while. And every day that that truck's not driving is money lost. And again, getting back to it, we all know this is a very tight margin business. And when I have a truck that I still got to make the monthly payment on potentially, and I'm not making any money. I have a driver on the sidelines and a, an asset that's not making money. It's awful. And I, you also touched on something, and maybe you could talk a little more about it. You said there's a technician shortage for servicing these vehicles. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, there. You know, in, in talking to Tyler and 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 getting more data. I mean, if you look, even looked at you know some of these job sites. I mean, we're, we we've heard up to eighty thousand uh, technicians are needed today. And this goes back to there, there is a very shallow pool of skilled workers that are that are backfilling job backfilling the age workforce that are going into being electricians, being plumbers, being you know diesel technicians, being car technicians. We hear it all the time, and I've read reports on skilled labor shortage. But yeah, the, 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 on the diesel technician side, and even talking to customers, it's I can't hire enough. I can't retain enough and, and training is incredibly, incredibly important. And so what I love about the, this, this space that we're in is I actually think we have a very 
critical role in providing education, even into where the, where, where, what is it, where's these jobs going in the sense of new skills? So let's take a, let's call this thing called a virtual technician. And a virtual technician is that person that was on the, on the shop floor for 15, 20 years and understands the truck inside and out. And how can we get them now in front of a screen and they can look at the screen and look at the diagnostics and look at the issues and they can actually be probably the most convincing person ever to talk to the driver to explain why the truck should be getting into the nearest repair shop. And that to me is this new world and this yes. new role that you don't see that job posted today, but that job will be a virtual technician will be a real job in the next probably, I would say two to three years. That would be a very, very real job. And I've talked to unions even about this, right? Like I've talked to I've talked to dozens of parties about this role and 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 I think we we will have an important part in creating what that role looks like and how it's, how that person's trained and how they use the software and then how does it ultimately tie all the way back into the into the shop operation. Yep. I got to tell you uh, I spent my early career as an automotive engineer and for a long time engineering was a silo. We didn't connect as much with our downstream, the plant and all these people, including service. And then at some point, we started having to have our designs signed off by the service group. It's a painful thing because we've all seen. Now, if, you, if you've ever worked on an older car, you've experienced this. It's Somebody says, oh, to change the oil, you have to take this off and this off. I mean, we used to have these ridiculous things in the older cars. Until service engineering started having a real say in things. By the way, I think anybody who's had a car 20 years ago might have paid $1,000 to have their brakes changed. Now it's nowhere near that. So we used to have, we used to kind of abuse the technicians because we didn't design the vehicles. There would be trucks too. We didn't design the vehicles with service in mind. And when we talk about servicing a truck right now or servicing a car, it's a difficult job. So at some point, if you can say, hey, there's a career trajectory that is maybe I, I get to a, a working on a laptop or you make that job easier and or get it more to a predictive place where you say, yeah, this is I understand what I'll be working on tomorrow and the next day and the next day because we have a flow that makes sense, a workflow. Right now, it's somebody's angry because their truck broke down and they're screaming at screaming bloody murder and uh, you're, you're trying to get them back on the road fast and you and by the way, you may also, and maybe you'll touch on this for me too, ordering parts, those aren't always easily accessible, right? They're not. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. We're in the, we're in this predictive space and we have our role to play, but I actually think we have, a, and I was talking about even the education, but here's, here's my North Star. And this is what I aspire to build over, let's call it the next 18 months. And when I say build, it doesn't mean that we own. It means that we may partner. It may, may mean that we share. It may mean that we're simply just a connector. But there's got to be a leader in the space. And I think it's us that we need to be able to bring companies together, partners together that have the ability to bring this entire ecosystem, make this ecosystem tighter. And what I believe is that we fire the insight. We say there's a problem. Well, that's not enough. That problem has to get to the fleet operator who then has to understand, do I have the part? Do I have the technician? Do I have the bay? 
Do I have availability to the driver to get that truck into the bay, to have that part ready, to have the technician ready? And if we can do that and we can connect that, we would, we would be the first in the industry to do it. And I believe we could decrease downtime by probably 75%. Wow. <laughs> I think Tyler was the one, and I, I do a lot of podcasts, so I don't remember specifically, but I seem to think it was Tyler who said, there's less downtime in Europe than there is here. And I don't know, maybe it's the nature of their their network. Maybe it's their, they are smaller, smaller. Uh, they're closer together. We don't, they don't have uh, to cross the great Midwest and uh, through the mountains to go to California. Or maybe it's just a culture that they've adopted, which is we don't like our stuff to be broken down. We don't like our drivers inconvenienced. We don't want to, everybody knows proactive is cheaper and better than reactive, no matter what space we're talking about. Yeah. And look, I mean, all the, these trucks are, are outfitted now with, there, there's so much available data out there it, in a lot of cases. And just like any other industry, there's too much data. So you basically have to bring, you have to cut through noise and you have to get what is truly relevant into a, into a way that a user can understand it and it's actionable, right? And you can put, we can build, we could literally boil the ocean today if we wanted to and put, as, put tons and tons of data on the screen, but that doesn't do the end user any good. What we have to say is the data we're collecting in addition to the science that we have perfected over eight years will give you this insight and allow you to make actionable decision on that insight today. Yeah. Like, and by the way, we need to do it in priority order because if you have 10,000 trucks, you don't want to see 10,000 issues. What you want to see is the top 10 issues of the 10,000 trucks to say, you have to get this done in the next, whatever time frame. you have to get these issues resolved or this will be the end result. And by the way, that's another thing I think we should own is I think we need to own the story to the driver. If you do not bring your truck in, this is where you will be at a point in time. This will be your nearest repair facility. You will need to be towed. You will, lost, you will lose this type of income. You will create brand illusion of X. Like we, we have the data points to be able to do all of that and be able to tell the story so that the fleet operator or the person making that outbound call or the push notification that goes to the driver is real. Yes. And by the way, we should also mention, just a reminder, if I'm a moron and I don't get the preventive maintenance on my car, and we've all been that moron. If I don't fill my tank, I pull my car over to the side of the road and it's an inconvenience. I, I, I call Lyft and they come pick me up. Call a friend, come pick me up. When we're talking about trucks, they could be driving perishable goods like food, or they could, they could have... Uh, a whole bunch of ba- they gaming systems. They could have gaming systems that you could shut down a factory floor. You could prov- you could make food go bad. There's a million things that can happen, and they're all very expensive. And and that's not even talking about the driver safety. Again, this is also you, you, maybe we can talk about this the aspect of it. But we got to make this a better experience for the drivers. If the drivers are constantly in a position where I'm driving substandard equipment. I'm putting myself in danger. I can't be the professional I'm trying to be because I got a piece of crap truck that we won't get, that we won't do the maintenance on, or I don't know when the next time I'm going to need maintenance, it just pops up out of nowhere. They aren't going to want that job. Again, we got to make this a better job. And I think part of it's 
how do we get better equipment for them and how do we get more predictable repairs on these vehicles? Yeah, look, I think I've interviewed quite a few drivers. Uh, you know, I've talked to drivers within our within our customers just to understand, you know, it was no different than when I was working at cars.com when I talked to dealers, but also when I talked to consumers. You got to kind of understand both sides of the equation, right? So we work with the fleets, but it's also fun to understand what the driver's thinking too. And look, the driver on the, if you think of a driver's dashboard, they got a lot going on, right? They have the OEM data. They've got the, the TSP data. They've got a lot. They've got a lot going on. And so you're exactly right is when, when they get that call or they get that message, whatever the form is of how that, that is coming in, it has to be, it has to be precise. It's got to be prescriptive and it's got to be accurate. Meaning that if that call goes outbound and they say, listen, there's high likelihood you're going to have a fuel pump failure within the next two weeks. That's got to be very convincing to the driver to say, I cannot have a fuel pump failure that's going to shut this truck down and lose my income, you know, whatever. And so let's get that. Let, let, I got to get my truck in. Yeah. And it's a lot easier if you can. It's also a lot easier if you say, hey, I would like uh I would like to be home on Friday and I'm going to take that, that truck in on Thursday night. And I think I'll get it fixed by Monday morning. Life is good. <laughs> I mean, I can plan it as opposed to, I want to be home on Friday and my trucks died 500 miles away. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to spend the weekend wait, waiting for a mechanic to fix my truck. I have recordings of drivers that did not listen and that have been, and that failed on the side of the road. And are talking to technicians and they're like, you, 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 I, I got a call or I got a message and my truck is broken down. You have, you have two kind of testimonials, huh? So the one is, yeah, I should have listened. And the other one, I'm glad I listened. And I think they're, look, I think again, this is, um, we haven't been doing this for dozens and dozens of years, right? So this is, this is, this is new. It's newer. It's getting more mature. Drivers are, are tending to listen a little more. But I would still say, you know, in a normal fleet, a, a sizable fleet, I think you have twenty percent that react to the date, react to the call, react to the data right away. I think you probably have a good sixty percent that probably do what you said. They play the float. They're like, all right, I'm going to wait. I'll wait three, four days. I got to get home. I'll get the truck in. Whatever. They'll they'll play that risk a little bit. Eventually, get the truck in. And I think there's twenty that just don't listen. Or just say, hey, I don't believe the data and I'll get the truck in in a month. And those are the ones that might, you know, fail or may have issues. But that's, again, I think we have a role in that is how to play or help the operator have more convincing evidence to say, listen, like you really need to get this in. Who's your sweet spot? Who are you guys normally serving? I mean, the fleet, the, the, the fleet operator, the, the, the one running really sort of the shop floor that, you know, the tech there is working with the technicians hand in hand. That's really sort of creating the day, the workflow. But I mean, how many trucks do they have? They can have five trucks. They could have a hundred trucks. They can have 50,000 trucks if they're the yeah, the, the lead operator. So, so I got to think that I got to think the companies at the top that that say, hey, that there is a reason they're at the top. They probably say this is really useful information. This will keep our drivers from breaking down. I always think that one of the challenges with not doing pre preventive maintenance on our cars is you go, ah, oh, I'm broke. I'm not doing it. 
I'll wait till I'll wait till payday or I'll wait till next payday. And I think that's one of the challenges with owner operators is some of them are going to be so small that it says, yeah, it'd be great. I'll get my new brakes. But first, I got to do this, this and this. But it, I mean, I, I agree with you, but it, imagine it's a bad oh, bet. <laughs> now, but imagine a world where we could sell the owner operator, even if it's it's a single truck to say, listen, you don't need brakes today, but you're definitely going to need them within the next, let's call it two months. And part availability, by the way, is scarce or technician getting a technician right now might be proved to be a little bit more difficult than it was two years ago. So, you know, and be able to then outlay that for that driver, like that's the power of uptake. Like that's really our sweet spot. So I noticed looking at your website, you guys use artificial intelligence. How are you using AI for your solution? Yeah. So that goes back to what you and I were talking about offline is we have about 200 insights that we have developed over the last eight years. So that, that's the actual, let's call it, that's the data science. That's the, the proven science behind it. We also have about 60 patents. So we have patented a lot of the, the IP, the science, what we have developed uh, for a number of industries, by the way, over, over the last eight years, because um, we've done a little bit more than, than trucking. And there's some commonalities, by the way, it's pretty interesting when you look at certain things like fuel pumps or batteries, types of things that we've seen in other industries that we were able to uh, use as a, to be able to make applicable to this environment as well. But that science, it's ultimately what we use as the additive to the data that we get from the OEM or from the, from the TSP. So we get the, the, the core data from the TSP and then we put our science on top of that. And that's ultimately then what creates the higher level of precision, creates you know, 85, 90% level of precision, which then ultimately gives more convincing data to the fleet operator who the downstream user is the, the, the driver. Right. So that's always what we're thinking about is when that fleet operator makes that call to the driver, they cannot be wrong because if they're wrong and the driver brings that truck in and there's no issue, Think about the next call that goes to the driver. And the driver's like, wait a minute, you told me a month ago that I had something wrong and I brought the truck in and there's no issue. That's a problem. Yeah, I think you would know more about it than I would, but I will say I just started hearing about artificial intelligence and machine learning in the last few years. Um, I don't think we're, we as humans think this way. We've always had solutions. We've always had companies that served us. But with these kind of solutions... AI gets smarter every day. Right now, while we're talking, your artificial intelligence is getting better at its job and it's collecting more data saying that make and model of that braking system. We know more about it today than we did last week. So pretty soon, we're gonna just, I mean, pretty soon it's not going to say, hey, this isn't a guesstimate. We're going to tell you within a week of when that's going to be broken. 100% true. And it's what's really fun about AI is it not only the models learning, but the models learning in different types of environments. The Northeast in the winter with rust looks very different than the West, right? The, the Southwest. The heat in the Southeast looks very, very different than, you know, the Midwest in the winter. And I learned that, I learned a lot about that in automotive, but I'll, that still applies very much so in, in fleet and in transportation as it relates to AI for what we're doing in maintaining, you know, maintaining trucks. 
So I want to wrap this bad boy up, but I get a few more questions for you for sure. So it seems like you are good for the fleet operators. You're good for the drivers and you're good for mechanics. And please explain what you do for each one of them at a high level. And if I missed anybody. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I would just say that the only one we probably missed is we also, because of our relationship with Daimler, I would say at the OEM level is we are working directly with the OEM to provide data back and forth. Interesting. um, That can ultimately help create a better vehicle in the future. The sharing of that data, obviously, it, the, the data directly from the OEM is the, you know, it's it's the data we want, it's the data we use, and it's, you know, a lot of times the it's it's a golden data set. But the data we can ultimately provide back to the OEM is very helpful as well, right? So you can kind of see that bi-directional. So it's, so it's OEMs, which is Daimler. And we just explain what they do for them. So what do you do for the fleet operators? What, what's, the, what's the... So think of the fleet operators using the core application every day that basically says, you know, of your X number of trucks in your fleet, these are the, these are the top issues within that, those trucks that need to be resolved today. Allows you, it gives you actual intelligence of what should be done and can actually even predict outward through our work order analytics product can predict... It has survivability curve of parts. It shows you which shops are uh, the most costly by breakdown of issue. So it allows you to upload uh, your work orders up to 10 years and then be able to utilize that data within our system and tie it back to uh, the existing fleet. Yep. And how, what do you do for the drivers? We don't do necessarily every, anything direct for the driver, but I would say that the driver is getting the end, getting the end benefit of what we're predicting for the fleet operator. Nice, nice. And how about the mechanics? I know they're probably similar to the driver in that regard. I would say the mechanics are getting the direct, the direct intelligence. Um, so, you know, I would say the, the the resolution that we have within the within the work order, within the application itself, within our asset management tool, can tell the technician exactly what they should be looking at first. You know, we we. We do want to have integrations with TMSs that could basically take our insights and automatically create intelligence that flows right into the into the TMS and then allows them to start working on the issue and find out, you know, to tell the tech, okay, this is the exact problem that you're going to have to go look at. And then it goes back to, I'd say, the eventual goal is that the technician is actually in front of the application, much like the fleet operator, and can diagnose within our tool. Yep. I love it. Now, so let's just say somebody says... Kane, I heard you on Joe's podcast and I need that. How, how does it work? How, how long does it take to get it set up? And what do you guys do? How, how do you interact with these people? Yeah, it's the, the, this. So I, the first thing would be, you you know, traditionally, if, uh, you, you know, you, you, you didn't know somebody in uptake, you come to our website and we have a, a very easy form to fill out and we get back to you very, very quickly. The setup, assuming that, uh, if you have an existing TSP today, and we have connectors to the top, wait, nine, wait, wait. So you I'll, said something in there. TS what? The the telematic service provider. Okay. So the the actual a GeoTab, a Samsara, a Motive, a Pedigree. You know, at any one of the larger the TSPs, we can connect. We connect directly with them, and we can pull that data in for your fleet. Um, and we can typically get you set up and trained it, it, usually in under two weeks. So you 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 are already 
plugged into these TSPs, the leading ones, so you're yeah, already integrated. Right. So is there any that you would have to integrate to, or are you already integrated to all the big boys? We're integrated with, with, all, with all the major, uh, the major ones. Uh, you know, I would say, yeah, we, we, we work heavily with Geotab is, I would say the, you know, a, a company that we work very, very closely with. We're doing, you know, we, we have some joint innovation that we do with them. And, and so the, the, the Geotab, the Geotab connector is the one that, you know, we typically, we prominently see, but, you know, we connect with Simsera. We think highly of uh, a, a pedigree emotive. Like I said, most of the, the what the industry is using, we're, we're connected to today. So what what is your business model? How do you guys get paid every month? It's a subscription model. It's paid by, you know, by unit. Uh, so the number of units and it qualifies basically on, you know, the, the larger number of units, the, you know, there's volume discounts. And it also depends on the type of product uh, that you want. There's a core product which is just basically the sensor data you can then have there's, and then we have our work order analytics product that is a, has additional dollars per truck, but yeah, it's a subscription model. So let me ask this is when you, when I get that implemented, it does it, it wants to know what kind of truck this is. It does. Yeah. And it's, it's all connected via basically once we're connected with the TSP, we can then decode the type of truck and, that data flows right into our system. So, so right now you can tell me, not that you would, but you could tell me across the board how each one of these trucking companies, the OEMs, how they how they fare in different areas, different components, different systems. Absolutely good. Yeah. So you can say, oh, that's just for that for that OEM, that system is rock solid. <laughs> and for that one, not quite as good, but pretty good. And this one is where these guys are struggling. They need a design update. For the most part, for the components that we monitor or the, the insights that we have, absolutely. We have, and we have- That's crazy. Data. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and, and again, I think we have a pivotal, we have a very pivotal role as we're continuing to learn and our machine learning gets better and our AI gets better. We have a pivotal role, I think, in the sector in the years to come where we should be much like an economist. I think we should be saying the data that we see, and it doesn't necessarily have to be by the OEM, but it could basically say what we see is in the Midwest, or the Southeast, the Southwest, these are the types of issues that are common, or these are the types of parts that are needed more common. Or, you know, when this truck is driven in this way, in this type of environment, these are the types of issues that we see and be able to produce that data for for a variety of different reasons. Well, I love what you guys are doing. It's 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 long overdue. I mean, cuz we 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 have to do a better job and again, we have to keep these trucks moving. If we're going to be if we're going to keep these this network of carriers we all have out there in good shape, they're going to have to have margins and this is eroding margins for companies that aren't doing a good job on the pre- preventive maintenance on the predictive maintenance. Yeah, I mean What's absolutely staggering or it's amazing is I saw McKinsey at a, a Frost and Sullivan report and they said, you know, by 2030, predictive maintenance will be a 60 to $70 billion space. What is it now? You know, I don't know exactly what it is today, but I would say it's probably, you know. A fraction of that? <laughs> a, a fraction, a, a very, very small portion of that. I mean, that will grow exponentially. You know, let's say we're, it's a you know, five to $10 billion space, which I think is still, you know, generous. I mean, it will be, it will be exponential and much of it because, you know, the, the, the types of sensors are getting put on the trucks, EV, maybe eventually autonomy, you know, at a level one, level two, but, you know, the, the, the world is moving 
very, very quickly in this, in this direction. And, you know, the, the, ser- the, the, the service addressable market alone is going to be like 110 billion. So, you know, predictive is 60 to 70 of that. It's, it's, um, it, yeah, this is where, this is where everything you and I are talking about is, is happening real time. I love it. I love it. I love what you're doing. So before you go, I like to interview smart, interesting people like you. Who else should I have on my podcast? Well, we talked about Tyler, so I'm assuming you had uh, Tyler. Yes, I did interview Tyler. I'll put the link to Tyler's episode in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, there's a couple people. I, 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 I've recently I've been working pretty closely with, a, I don't know if you know, Mike Branch over at, at Geotab, but I think very highly of Mike. Mike Branch, I'll interview him. Yeah, so Mike has been with uh, Geotab for quite a while, runs their analytics division, you know, love what Geotab is doing and, and, and what they're doing uh, from an innovation perspective in that telematic space. I would say the other one on a, on, a, on a different side that you don't see very often is a guy by the name of Lynn Murphy, who's a truck suite what do they uh, do? And in, the, in the aftermarket warranty space. Aftermarket Which warranty. again is a, is a very much needed product and they're, they're disrupting that space as well. I love it. I love it. If you can get me connected with those guys, because their names are too common to find on LinkedIn. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, I, I always say, oh, I'm connected to him on LinkedIn. But now I, I, I bet if I went on and be like, oh, there's only 28 Lynn Murphy's and, and, and 30 Mike Branches. But um, right. So what, right. what conferences will we see you guys at? We'll be at M- the, the the next one. We'll be at is NPTC in Orlando, which is the National Private Truck Council. We'll be there uh, May seventh through the ninth in Orlando, and we typically go to a lot of the local association conferences as well. But yeah, our, the two ones we just attended the the, the Geotab Connect and the uh, and the TMC. You know, those are the flagship shows for us where we get to showcase our. Uh, our, our great software, but MPTC will be the one we're at next. Excellent. Excellent. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and I'll put a link to your website and any other links that you and your marketing team give me, I'll put in the show notes so people can reach out and talk to you. Appreciate that. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me. It's this an area that I have not talked to anybody about yet. And it all just makes so much sense. I mean, this is one of those areas that just is overlooked, but we all see the carriers struggling right now. And we all see uh, the driver retention being a problem. This is, and we all know, well, now we know there's a technician, a repair technician problem too. <laughs> so I'm glad you're addressing all of these while the rest of us, uh, while the rest of us look for solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for having us and allowing up, you know, allowing us to discuss uptake in greater detail. And yeah, look forward to talking to you more in the future. Thank you so much. I really appreciate taking the time. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.